Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football, joins us on 365 Sports. And, of course, there's always two to five stories in college football that happen during the show that we try to bring your way, including the Texas State statement on Jaden Delara, who's no longer a part of that university, and Mike joins us on 365 Sports. Mike, I know you had the statement you released, you saw that. Is is this a school that said, no, it's okay, you come play here, and gave G.J. Kinney that approval and changed their mind? Uh, I don't know if it exactly went that way. I admit, you know, he's been at Washington State. He's been at Arizona. You know, I, I don't know. And this probably varies school to school how much the athletic director and the university president and, and the admin sign off on each and every single uh, commitment or transfer that come in there. So I, I don't know if the admin, if the leaders above G.J. Kinney kind of understood the situation. But once, you know, it leaked out there and, and everything got talked about in terms of his, you know, uh, allegation of sexual harassment from when he was a minor. I think that kind of took over um, the conversation, especially online and, and within that fan base, and, and it kind of you know stormed out of there. And, and, and today, uh, the release was made. So, how did this get to the point where they even considered bringing him in? Considering T.J. Finley uh, was coming back until this news. Yeah, I think this is the new reality of the transfer portal, right? Uh, T.J. Kin. TJ Finley plays, you know, at Auburn, doesn't play all that well, isn't the starter anymore, transfers to Texas State and has this huge year. He was pretty non-committal uh, about if he was going to come back or not during those bowl practices. He wouldn't say for sure yes or no. Uh, he, he was definitely kind of looking at things behind the scenes and seeing, you know, what his options are, which is perfectly his right and I think something that athletes should do. But on the other side, that means the coaches need to start kicking the tires on who the quarterback's going to be if it's not going to be T.J. Finley and what the backup plan is. And I think they got so far down the road with Delora, they they decided to take the commitment. I think they like his upside and what he could do as a dual threat. He could run the ball in a way that T.J. Finley can't, and that's something that G.J. Kinney and Mac Leftwich like in their offense. And so I think they saw it as a slight upgrade. Since they had gone so far down the road with him, they were going to take him as a commitment. If that meant losing T.J. Finley, it meant losing T.J. Finley. A week later, they don't have either, so it looks like a very bad decision. Yeah, Mike, so I guess part of the question is what do they do now? But I guess first of all is any insight or understanding into, I guess, the 
reaction so far to this news from the staff? Because I'd imagine, you know, you, you think things are going one way, and then obviously they, there's a bit of a curveball here. And now you also are in this situation where you do still need a quarterback, obviously. So uh, any insight on kind of how the coaching staff has reacted to the Delora uh, withdrawal, and uh, what do they do from here, I guess? You know, I, I think they're frustrated, but they're as much frustrated with themselves. This is a young coaching staff, you know. I mean, G.J. Kinney just had his first year as an FBS coach. He's had two years of a head coach, you know, at the college level. Uh, I think just turned 35. Uh, Mac Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, uh, not yet even 30. Uh, the, the assistant coach that, that kind of vouched for Delora and brought him in just took the offensive coordinator job at San Jose State. So that probably played a little bit of factor, too, kind of the guy – who kind of was the gap there or, you know, the point of connection who could stand up for the kid on the table and say, hey, he's not uh, what they're saying. He, he's no longer there. So so I, I think that played a part in it as well. But, yeah, I, I think it's one of those lessons learned uh, type deals maybe, you know, for a young coaching staff who, you know, still trying to figure out all the all the ins and outs of how this stuff works. And today's climate, you just, you're just not going to get away with that kind of thing. Mike, do you feel like this could be um, a wart? between the relationship between Texas State Administration and G.J. Kenny, Yeah, I guess it could, depending on, you know, behind the scenes how it was taken, if there's any pushback or, or whatever. But I, I don't think so. I think it's one blip on the radar. Again, it was a young coach making, you know, a poor decision. Uh, but I, I don't think it was a, a horrible decision or something. You know, like, Delora's going to go be on a college or a college roster somewhere. He's going to play football somewhere. He's been playing football, you know, on the college level for the last few years when everybody's known this was out. Um, and so I, I think it's kind of a uh, one of those deals that it depends on the university and the fan base. And the one at Texas State uh, was vocal enough about their displeasure, and, and it led us to, to this decision. So, Mike, how do they make it through spring ball with the quarterbacks on the roster? Yeah, they got a couple of young guys, PJ Hatter, uh, redshirt freshman that a lot of the, a lot of the guys that I know in the recruiting industry really liked and thought was underrated. So they're gonna, you know, get a lot of reps for the young guys that are there, but they're absolutely gonna be in the market for a quarterback in, in the spring transfer portal window. You know, no doubt about that. Mike, uh, what kind of a I guess buzz is there in San Marcos at this point after the season that Kenny and crew had? I, I feel like you know kind of says a little bit of a blip on the radar. They're still expected to be pretty good, um, and obviously the trajectory is is moving upward for Kenny and staff. But uh, I don't recall really talking a whole lot of Texas State football over the years necessarily, <laughs> and, and heard a lot more about them these last few months. You know? Yeah, I mean they ha- they're coming off their best season ever in the history of, of being an FBS program, which isn't long. I think it's like eleven or twelve seasons, but still, they won eight games. They won their first bowl game, and the first time they've ever gone to a bowl game. Uh, a lot of the attendance was really up. I want to say the attendance was up twenty percent uh, over last year. So a lot of excitement there. I mean, Kenny left, which they have a really exciting uh, style of play. Now, obviously, they they went into Baylor and beat Baylor to start the season, and that that really kind of you know ignited them there. And so what was interesting to me about this, and it kind of reminded me of TCU hiring Kendall Bryles after the national championship run, is, you know, every coach I know, and that's a decent amount of them, always talk about not wanting distractions and to, mm-hmm. to keep the outside noise outside and to not do anything that brings a light into what you're doing there. And, you know, Sonny Dykes can build up all that goodwill. You go 12-0, and 0, you're in the championship game, and then you lose by as much as you lose, and then you, you hire an offense coordinator with a last name that's not you know, all that accepted well in, in Fort Worth, and it kind of kind of kills all that momentum. And now the talking points are about things that aren't football and aren't aren't good stuff. And the same kind of thing kind of happened here, right? Where 
Texas State could have rode this way. They could have brought their quarterback back and a lot of the pieces back in, in the spring would have been about how do you get past eight wins? Can you compete for a Sun Belt championship? All, all those kind of good talking points. And instead, it's going to be about this decision and the quarterback room and, and what the expectations are and the, and the pressure. He put a big light on the program and on himself in a way that it didn't feel necessary. So I, I would consider this kind of like an unforced error. Uh, Mike, another question for me. Uh, today, the ACC released the entire schedule. And in late September, SMU, a part of the ACC, is going to host Florida State, who, of course, is not happy that SMU is a part of the ACC. But what a moment, what a weekend that could be for the Mustangs. Yeah, absolutely wild, right? To think about SMU hosting Florida State in a, a conference game. And, you know, I was born in 1985, and my uncles are, are big college football fans. I had an uncle that, that ran track. My dad played, played football at Texas. And so I kind of grew up, grandfather uh, was on the staff there at, at UT. And so I grew up hearing about how great SMU was, but I, I didn't get to see any of it. By the time I was, you know, of age to be able to, to follow football, you know, SMU wasn't the SMU that they talked about all the time. So I've never seen it, right? Like, I've never seen SMU at this level playing against these kind of teams and those kind of helmets and being considered what they're what they're about to jump back into. It's ironic that the thing that, that got them the death penalty and got them out of that conversation, paying players, is the thing that's getting them back into these conversations, <laughs> like having the money uh, to, to do all this stuff. And so it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, for what I do, it's great, right? Anytime another program kind of steps into a larger a larger light that's good that's good for what we do at Dave Campbell. So excited to see what SMU does. The Rhett Lashley's got it rolling, but they were 0-3 against Power 5 teams last year. And so it is a real big step up. Going to have to see if they can compete uh, mostly in the trenches. You guys heard it from Mike Craven. SMU had a 40-year-long plan to uh, escape the death penalty by the changing, knew it. changing the whole rule structure, and they just did it with tentacles and, and influence all that time. Uh, Mike, laying in wait. Yeah, absolutely. Laying in wait. Um, Mike, so um, with SMU, like in the ACC and it, the potential that it could fall apart, though, uh, do you feel like there's any nervousness there or that they feel like there'll always be some form of an ACC, just maybe not the one that they joined? Yeah, I think they went knowing it may not look exactly like it does right now in, in five or ten years, but the seat at that table is better than the seat at the table that they just left, right? I mean, like the ACC last year, the AAC, I, I, that's going to confuse me forever. The AAC, uh, not very good, really. You take away Houston, um, you know, you take away Cincinnati, some, some of those teams, like they just, they just did not have the star power last year. You want to be, you know, with Boston College and Louisville and Clemson and some of those programs, if you can, North Carolina, um, that, that's better than, you know, East Carolina, Tulsa, Tulane. And so it's all about the grouping that you're with, the perception of that, pro that conference. And if you win with the 12-team playoffs, if you win the ACC, no matter what the iteration is, if you win that conference, you're going to get in the playoff. That's not always true at the G5 level, right? So I think they had to do it. I think it was a smart move by them, but it's probably not going to be, you know, the third best conference in, in America, right? It's probably going to be, you know, the fourth after after everything settles and Florida State gets what they want. Mike, uh, did you hear what he said, Paul, that if you win the ACC, you're going to get into the college football playoff? <sighs> Well, now you will. Oh, and I, I know. I'm just that. that, that I you mean, just, you, you just got to be patient. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> way way back in 
December of 2023. Yeah. That was an, an impossibility, apparently. Yeah. Mike, we were so young and naive then. Yeah, <laughs> great stuff with what you do. Appreciate your time. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the magazine, the site, texasfootball.com, covers the hell out of high school football, but all, college football, but also the high school football, too, with us on 365 Sports. So that's uh, Mike Craven. This has been a Rogue Media Network 